Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't. Today is November the 25th, 2015, and this is episode 1682 of the Survival Podcast. And uh, I've got a, a throwback episode for you, a real one today. And what's going to happen is in a few moments, you're going to go back to 2008, November of 2008, when I had qu a crappy recording equipment and I recorded things in my car. And you're going to hear me on my way to work for the last time that week uh, recording a Thanksgiving, uh, survivalist view of Thanksgiving. And I've thought a lot about redoing this show. I even thought today about redoing this show. There's a whole transcript of the show. Somebody was nice enough to sit down and type out the text of this show. So if you want to share it with your family, you can do it either in text or you can sit around and read it together. Not the whole show, but just the piece from 2008 that tells the real story of where Thanksgiving came from and, and how it came to be in our country and how it became part of our culture. And part of me really wants to redo it because the audio, audio quality is so bad. But another part of me wants to always leave a reminder of where this show came from, how it became what it is. And for those of you that are new to the show that came to it this year that have never heard an episode, especially from early 2008 into early 2000, late 2008 to early 2009, before I got even a little bit better at recording it in the car, you might be surprised that a show that now reaches... 140, 150,000 people a day started out this way. And yet even then, with you know the first 1,000, 2,000 listeners we gained in that first six months that helped build the show, we knew it was something special. Together we knew it was something special. The forum came up out of it, and so many other sub-communities came out of it. So many, so many people have, have, have started businesses that, that, that have started right here in this community, supported each other, worked together. There's so many offshoots of TSP today. It's... It's how you know you've done something wonderful. When, when people have springboarded off of you and now are autonomous to themselves, and, and, and somebody looking at that would say, oh, that's its own thing, and wouldn't even know that it was connected to TSP at one time, that's when you're really successful. A lot of people don't want that. They want to control everything. I feel if you're doing really great things, you need to be casting seeds. And when you cast a seed out, sooner or later it hits in a place and it germinates. It's off on its own. It does its own thing. That's how you know you're doing something really viable. And that's one of the things I'm most thankful for here at the Survival Podcast. And that's why I have, up until this point, and, and maybe next year, I don't know, maybe next year I'll redo this show in high-quality audio like you're used to hearing every day. But at least for one more year. It's going to be like watching, you know, the old Peanuts, the old Charlie Brown uh, Thanksgiving special before they fixed it and digitally remastered it. And it had little scratchy places in it and places where the, the video was a little bit messed up and all like it used to be when you were kids like that so that we can remember where we came from. Because the best way to be thankful for what you have is to remember when you had less. And, and that's kind of what I want to, you know, start off with today is, is my message for you as we come into Thanksgiving. No matter how far beyond, behind where you want to be you are, and even if you've had some kind of a fall where you're not where you were at your height, I'll bet you there was some place in your life you had less than you do today. And everything that exists in that delta to the positive is something to be thankful for. 
I wish I could say that I know that everybody out there is in a great place in their life or that they're headed for great things, but I know that there's trials and tribulations for everybody. I know that we all lose people from time to time, and that makes holidays difficult. I know that some of you guys aren't with family or you're working on a day when you should be with family. You just can't be there. Some of you are serving our country around the world and can't be home. Some of you are doing that, and you're lucky enough to be home, but by Monday you'll be on an airplane back to some fourth Uh, corner of the world, so to speak, and and you won't really get to really immerse yourself into your family before you're already gone. I know that everything's not perfect for everybody, but I think we all have things to be grateful for. I want to share some of the things I'm grateful for, particularly in this last year. You know, we just recently did two TSP workshop events, and, and they both went great. And I'm grateful for everybody that came here and partook in them. I'm grateful that we pulled them off. I'm grateful we did it without anybody getting seriously hurt anyway. I think we had one minor injury, but it was self-inflicted and had nothing to do with the workshop. It involved a really sharp knife and somebody that wasn't used to having a really sharp knife. So I don't consider that a workshop injury. But nobody really got hurt. Once again, we had all these people around heavy equipment. No one got injured. Uh, more bonds were formed. More relationships were formed. Uh, another year with my family. Uh, I, get, I found out I'm going to be a grandpa 2.0. Uh, my son and, and, and his, uh, his wife are going to have a baby sometime this early summer. And we don't know whether it's going to be a granddaughter or a grandson yet, but either way, what a blessing. Um, it, it, it's been a great year. I've watched my wife's little duck business turn into something that's actually viable and vibrant and growing to the point where she's now telling her customers, I'm put a limit on how many you can buy. Uh, and I've watched her develop to where she's managing profit and loss. She doesn't call it that, but that's what she's doing. And, and, and that's awesome to see her have something that's really hers. Uh, I've watched my property begin to change, to turn a corner, and, and to start turning into something really amazing. And, and I've seen little improvements all the way, but this year I saw things that were like, wow, that's, that's biology changing, and that's, that's is something to be grateful for. I'm still doing this show. I'm still doing this show. We're still growing. We're still inspiring people. I'm still getting emails from people saying, because of you, I did fill in the blank. I'm still getting emails from people that are saying, I found you last week. I have meaning in what I do because of this community. I, I am grateful beyond words for that. And I've seen a lot of things in the last couple of years that basically hurt my heart for my country. I've seen people, even in this community, just be weak when they hear something they don't like or are told something they don't like. And that makes me sad. But for every person I see that has this weak constitution, I see ten that are strong and gaining strength. And that makes that hurt less. It hurts me when I look at my country and I see our youth in our university system loathing themselves I see them so hypersensitive, they can't stand to hear anything they don't like. They, they shoot out of their mouth one side that they support free speech, but on the other side they, they want everything that they don't want to hear censored and put down. That hurts. This is a nation that I served many years ago in uniform, that I believed in with my heart of hearts. And when I see my nation having fallen on so many levels, it's actually painful to me. When I watch the government continue to victimize our youth, those that still are strong, that still believe that will stand up, and they keep sending them to all these places in the world, into harm's way, 
to do nothing but more harm when they're the most noble among us, that hurts. But there's hope. There's hope in every single person that says, I will not be controlled. There's hope in every single person that says, I will get shit done. There's hope in every single person that says, I can stand on my own. And even if I need some help to get there, eventually I will stand on my own. And when I do, I'll pull somebody up with me. That's hope. And there's nothing that I'm more thankful for than seeing hope in my nation and hope in my fellow members of mankind as we seek to stop complaining about what's wrong and start changing things and making things right. I'm thankful for my wife of, well, not married now, but we've been together 19 years as a couple this year. 19 years. That's, that's a long time in this day and age. I wish that was not a big deal. I wish it was like 19. Everybody does that. But it's not. And I'm grateful that we still love each other. Like we want to be together. That I'm getting everything wrapped up on a Monday this week so I can be with her all week. I'm grateful that we still want to be together like that. That's what I want for you guys out there that find that kind of meaningfulness in your relationships to want to be with each other. And if, if you're having trouble with that, focus on it. Because it's a skill, like any other skill, it can be developed. Understanding each other and being there for each other. And, and, and as we get ready to bring back my original podcast from the car seven years ago now that I did this, I kind of want to tell you that something I've, I've kind of just talked a little bit about this, this last week a few times already. This is a wonderful time of year that can turn into a terrible time of year. Because what happens is family members get together that don't normally see each other, and all of the animosity and angst and fear is built up. And last time, you know, they said this, and I'm going to make sure they know this, and dad expects this of me, but I want this, and th this is what you do for Thanksgiving. You let all that shit go. Right out the window, and just be there for each other. And when those subjects come up, you just change them and rock on with your life. And if they keep pushing for it, you just keep changing, because... They're worth it, even when they're wrong. It's just not the time, it's not the place, and it's no good, especially when it comes to politics. It seems that our media and our government have a tendency right around this time of year, every year, to whip us up into a frenzy about something, whether it's Ebola or refugees or swine flu or terrorism or whatever it is. This time of year, every year, they want us whipped up into a frenzy. And fathers look into the faces of sons and they curse each other for politicians that wouldn't pee on you to put you out if you're on fire. Your family's worth more than your opinion, pro or con, of any politician that ever has or ever will live, period, the end, infinity. Shelve it all. Be grateful. Be grateful for what you have. Be grateful for the opportunities that lie in front of you. Be grateful for the victories and the defeats that lie behind you because they are the building blocks for what you are going to be able to do tomorrow. And I'd like to challenge members of this audience to come by the show website today, the survivalpodcast.com, and tell other members of this community what you're thankful for today. I know some people think that's kind of hokey and corny, but it's not. 
when we say things, whether it's in text or whether it's verbally, when we say things, we make them real, we make them concrete, and we drive them home for them for ourselves. One of the things I'm really thankful for is by doing this show and writing so many articles over the years, there's times when I'm researching something online and I find something I said or wrote in the past that I didn't even remember. I'm like, oh, what was that about? And I listen to myself or I read my writing and I realize, you forgot that you knew that. I think we're doing that all the time and we don't realize that not all of us Get to chronicle what we say, what we think, the evolution of our thinking, the way those of us in journalism do. All of us in journalism of any sort need to be grateful for that. But we all need to be doing it at least on some level. And if you will take the time this year to verbalize or write what you're really grateful for, it will bring it forward into your school of thought where you'll be able to actually put your arms around it and understand it and actually feel gratitude and that's the word we don't talk about at thanksgiving that we should we talk about what we're thankful for but we don't talk about the emotion of gratitude that if you're truly thankful you feel when you say well i'm thankful for you know people that serve in our military unless you feel gratitude it's paint when you say i'm thankful that my family's together unless you feel gratitude for the fact that they came it's paint It's not material. Gratitude is the expression of thankfulness. You need to get in touch with gratitude. Because gratitude creates reciprocation. When we exist in a state of gratitude, we turn toward that source and say, what can I do for you? Not out of some sense of obligation, but out of genuine concern and feeling. That's how you know that thanksgiving is actually about being thankful. So find your gratitude, and you'll find a wonderful holiday and a wonderful holiday season in front of you. And with that, I want to go back again. November 2008, seven years ago, audio quality about to go through the floor. This is is the year that this show started and this is the story of Thanksgiving that you will seldom hear anywhere but here. First of all, the traditional view is in 1621, a bunch of pilgrims got together with a bunch of Indians and had a great big feast. They had turkey and gravy and mashed potatoes. All, right. uh, all the pilgrims were dressed in black and white and had big buckles on. It's not that far off. Here's the problems with it. One, they didn't have mashed potatoes. They didn't grow potatoes in the northern colonies that first year. Number two, they didn't have buckles. You know all those pilgrims, little kids, buckles? They, the buckles didn't get in fashion until the 1700s. No buckles. They were wearing black and white because they had the feast on a Sunday. And the pilgrims wore black and white on Sundays. It was formal attire. They did not always run around in black and white while they were working in the fields and hunting and, and fishing and farming. It's a myth. Uh, women mostly wore colors like reds, greens, and tans. The men wore colors like tans, grays, greens, tweeds, beiges. Uh, so they weren't always running around in big top hats with buckles on and gators and things like that. Okay, So that, that's a myth, not a big myth. Um, turkey they probably had. 
the the original recorded journal entry of Thanksgiving says they shot as much foul as they could. That would probably be a lot of ducks and geese that time in New England. Another belief is that they had this holiday uh, the third uh, third week of uh, November. They did not. Uh, it was somewhere between the end of September and beginning of October that they had the original Thanksgiving. If you've ever been to New England, you will know why. Now, here's the big myth. that They had this first Thanksgiving feast, and it immediately became a tradition, an original American tradition. And that every year thereafter, they continued to have this holiday. And that as the United States evolved and grew, wherever Americans went, wherever colonists went, the, th- the holiday went with them. It's not how it happened at all. You see, they didn't even have the feast the second year. It didn't happen a second year because the colony was ravaged with a lot of problems and diseases and crop failures. And other colonists came, and those other colonists didn't immediately pick up the holiday. But over time, as people began to settle the United States primarily, initially in the northeastern United States, and the Virginia colony, which ran from like the Hudson River area of New York down to what is Virginia, that whole thing was called Virginia Company. And uh, as that started to spread, and what I mean by spread is as the people started to spread out, start to set up actual permanent places to live, building farms, starting to, uh, to live normal lives, at least for the period and the time, the tradition of Thanksgiving, going back to that original meal, began to be created. And people began to sit down at the end of the harvest season, and sometimes there was some formality in certain regions and certain areas to we're going to do it on this day, or we're going to do it on that day. Um, but there was no official holiday, and there certainly was no colony-wide holiday. It was just something people did. And they did call, tell stories, and that's how the whole tradition of the, the original Pilgrims and Indians Thanksgiving uh, got kept. It, got, it, it became part of history, because people did tell that story by word of mouth. And they would sit down at the end once they had, they had you know, put everything away for the year and finished making their winter preparations. And what does that remind you of? The Ant and the Grasshopper, modern survivalism, that's exactly what it was, folks. That's exactly what Thanksgiving was in its origination. People would get ready for winter. They worked hard all spring. They worked hard all summer. They worked hard in the beginning of the fall. They put everything down in the root cellar. They did everything they possibly could. They went hunting. They went fishing. They stacked up the meat in the ladder. They did everything they could to get ready because they knew, especially if you've ever experienced a winter in Connecticut or New Jersey or Massachusetts or Vermont or New Hampshire or Maine or upstate New York, then you understand what they were getting ready for. Brutal cold, short days. They didn't have greenhouses, folks. No ability to grow anything. And even the game would get scarce by about December because it would be hard to find. Because it would go hole up somewhere to keep warm itself. And it would have to travel long distances. It wouldn't congregate anymore. So it would be hard to even go out and harvest anything at that point. Besides, it was too damn cold. So hopefully they had enough wood chopped. They had enough food put in the larder. They had enough food in the, in the root cellar. And remember, they didn't have refrigerators, freezers, electricity. But when they got everything as done as they could, they sat back, they came together, and they had a great big meal. I want you to think about something that most people will never, ever think about today. 
what they had done is put away enough that they hoped would be enough. And often people were quite hungry by the time the first days of spring started to come around. Sometimes a winter could go longer. It would be later in the season before you could plant crops. Sometimes you'd start your crops, and you know what would happen, folks? A late frost would come in and, and it's put you back three, four, five weeks. This is a long time to go without food. So you would think that after they put all this food away, they would immediately begin rationing their food. This is how much we have today. This is how much we have tomorrow. We have to plan for the future. People that put that much planning and effort into preparing for winter, you would think that's what they would do. And folks, it's the way they lived 99% of the time, except for Thanksgiving. On Thanksgiving, they covered the table with food. And it was at times it was a three-day event, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and you went to church on Sunday. And they would have relatives and friends, and, and anybody that didn't have a, a real close family to go be with would be invited into the home if they were a family friend. And food would be shared, and people would eat just like we do today until they could move. And you know what that was? It was a Thanksgiving. It was also a reassurance that we're going to be okay. We've been good ants. We've worked hard enough. We're going to make it through the winter. We will be here to still to see spring. It's okay to enjoy the fruits of our labor and our efforts. It's okay to share with others. It's okay to be grateful for all that we have. It will be enough. I sure wish that instead of just teaching our children in school about the Indians and the pilgrims and the fake buckles, that maybe a little bit more of that was going into our education system. A little bit more of an understanding that when people 200 years ago, 300 years ago, sat around a table and ate that much food and shared with that many people at one time, that it wasn't like today where if you needed more food, you went to Kroger or you went to Publix or you went to Winn-Dixie. They're even still in business, I'm not sure. Albertsons or whoever. There wasn't anything like that. In many of the colonies, there wasn't even a lot of stores around of any kind or shape. You know, it would be, you have to get on a horse and ride for a day just to pick up a couple sacks of grain for some extra provisions to make it through. And what if you had to do that in the winter because you ran out in the winter and the snow drifts were six feet high? That's how it was. We were still in the tail end of the little ice age, folks, during the 17 and 1800s. Early 1800s were cold, long, cold winters, colder than you can imagine. But they had a feast. They had a feast, and the main purpose of the feast, besides being thankful, was to reassure the family, to reassure everybody, we're going to make it through winter. We're going to see spring. It's an amazingly optimistic view of a holiday that many people that would like to go back and rewrite history have tried to tear down. Let me tell you a little bit more about Thanksgiving and why we should be thankful that there is a Thanksgiving today. The first official declaration of Thanksgiving was by George Washington in 1789, but it was not made a national holiday until Abraham Lincoln did it in the middle of the Civil War. He was looking for a way to unify the nation, so he officially said it date of the third Thursday in November is Thanksgiving Day. After the Civil War was over, Thanksgiving was largely not celebrated in the entire southern United States. It was viewed as a damn Yankee holiday. 
And it was only over time as people began to relocate and the wounds between the states began to heal that the people of the South were willing to accept the holiday as an American holiday instead of a northern holiday. So when he tried to monkey with our holiday, his name was Franklin Delaware Roosevelt. And I'm sorry, I think I said that Lincoln set the holiday for the third Thursday in November. It was the fourth Thursday in November, which it is today. If I made that mistake, I'm sorry. But it was Roosevelt who then moved it from the fourth Thursday to the third Thursday. Now, why would somebody do that? Why would somebody mess with tradition? What does everybody do on Friday after Thanksgiving? They go shopping. I'd like to believe that it was different during the Great Depression. It wasn't. People went shopping on Black Friday during the Great Depression. So Roosevelt thought if he moved Thanksgiving back a week, it would add one week to the Christmas shopping season and help spur the economy. Eventually people got pissed off and uh, complained about it. and It got moved back where it is today, the fourth Thursday. That's how it became uh, that day, and that's how it was put back on that day, and that's how it's been ever since. And I think one of the things we really need to understand about the spread of Thanksgiving through the United States is how it was commensurate with healing of the wounds between the states from the Civil War. And I think if you're ten years younger than me, you know, maybe my generation was the last to really see it for what it was. And I'm glad that it's gone and I'm glad that it's dead, but I think we need to remember it so that we understand what a great nation we've actually formed today. Because sometimes I get real hard on our government. And I'll continue to do it, folks. You'll you'll tune back in. You'll hear me tearing up a senator or the president or a chief justice for stepping on our Constitution. But overall, we have a pretty great country. And what I remember when I was a child, very young child, I'm talking kindergarten, first, second grade, and I moved from Pennsylvania to Florida with my family. My grandfather and his friends in Pennsylvania would always tell me, you're down there with them damn rebels. And the kids that I went to school with would sometimes call me a damn Yankee until I picked up that Florida accent. And it wasn't like it is today. I hear people call Yankees, people Yankees today. And generally when you hear somebody call somebody a damn Yankee today, it's it's because you're, you're putting them down for being a big government tax and spend liberal from Massachusetts or something like that. Or it's, it's, it's kind of like, you know, a Texas joke. Well, Yankees, where do they come from? They come from Oklahoma. Anything north of the Red River, you know, that's the Mason-Dixon line in our opinion. But there's a joke and there's a joviality to it. I saw the last vestiges of the true animosity that was held over by my grandfather's generation and the generation before him that handed it down. I saw that. I saw it for what it was. You know, and I saw at the same time the last vestiges of true racism in this country where we were busing students for integration purposes and things like that. There was resistance to it and all these other things. It was the tail end. It was the late 70s, early 80s. And that stuff's gone and behind us now. But a lot of that healing, a lot of that unifying, went right along with the spread of Thanksgiving as it slowly made its way through the United States. What I'm saying to you folks is in 1880, if you lived in South Georgia, you didn't celebrate Thanksgiving at all. You didn't even notice. You didn't even care. If you had a kid in college up north, he'd write you a letter about it. You, you were like, yeah, you're with that damn Yankee holiday. And today, Thanksgiving is celebrated in all 50 states. 
and it's one of the first American traditions that's uniquely American that legal immigrants, and even illegal immigrants, let me be fair, that come to our country adopt as one of their own. It is one of the most unifying things in America, and it's why I get disgusted when people try to tear it down. And on Thanksgiving Day, we should not just get together and eat food and be thankful for the bounty in front of us. We should think of the other things that we're thankful for. So I ask you to pause today and just think, what are you thankful for? As you continue to prepare for the unknown future, try to make your life better, whether it gets bad or it doesn't. Living the show free as you, as you continue to be an ant like those brave people before us that were preppers and survivalists and didn't even know that that's what it was called, it was just living back then. Think about all the things that make your life easier. The fact that you can turn a switch and a light bulb will come on. The fact that if you're cold, there's a little box on your wall that you can turn up, and if you're hot, you can turn it down. It will change the temperature of your home. The fact that a person like me is free to get on the Internet and blast his government, and sometimes support it, and no one shows up at my house to take me away. That you're free to listen to it and no one shows up at your house and takes you away. That you're free to go any church, temple, or synagogue that you want to worship God as your choice. Or you're free to not. The freedom to do so and the freedom to not do so is something that long ago became uniquely American. It's prevalent in many places in the world today. But people often think of the Puritans and the pilgrims being deeply religious. And they held their own community to deep religious standards, but they didn't try to force that onto other communities. They really didn't. It's a misnomer. They did try to spread it among the Indians, and that didn't work out real good. But, you know, nobody's perfect. Think about how grateful you should be that you can walk up to a police officer in this nation and ask for help and get it. Because there's places where people so fear their police, they would never go to a police officer for help. Think about how grateful you are that despite the fact that our education system needs a massive overhaul, at least everybody learns how to read that wants to in this country. And that's true. No matter how bad you want to put down the education system, any kid that goes to our schools, any of them, even the crappiest one that wants to learn to read, to write, and do basic math, they'll come out with that education. There's places in the world where you can't buy that education. Be grateful for all that we have. And just remember that unique part of Thanksgiving that no one ever talks about that I talked to you earlier. Just remember that when people 200 years ago sat down to a massive banquet, it wasn't just patting themselves on the back. It wasn't just being thankful. It was, we know winter's almost here. We know that the last days that the sun really is warm on our faces are almost over for a while. We know that we're going to go into a darkness. We know that we're going to go into a time where there's not very much. But we also are going to feast. And we're not going to ration today or tomorrow or the next day. We're going to feast for three days because we know we'll see spring. And, folks, there could be no better time than to think of that than today. Because today, our nation is headed for some very tough times. Our government has pumped $7 trillion of phony money into our economy. They've done it. There's no way to pull it back now. It's already happened. Right now, we're seeing prices come down. Prices on everything will go up. They have to. You can't put $7 trillion into an economy without 
devaluing money. Can't be done. We're going to go through some dark times. But even while you're prepping, even while you're saving, even while you're preparing, I want you to stop, not just on Thanksgiving, but every once in a while, I want you to stop. I want you to gather around your family, your friends, people that don't have other people. I want you to sit down and I want you to feast. It doesn't always have to be with food. Sometimes it can be with words. Sometimes it can be with activities. But every once in a while, I want you, I want you to just splurge on yourself with emotion and even money and certainly with food and just enjoy it and make it something special and make it part of remembering that even though you have to be smart about how you spend you have to be smart about how you store you have to be smart about how you work how you save that every once in a while you need to remind yourself that spring will come and that you're going to be there to see it that's really all I have for you today this has been Jack Spirico with a Thanksgiving edition of the Survival Podcast. Hoping that I've helped you figure out today how to live that better life if times get tough. Or even if they don't. You can scream and you can holler. It really doesn't matter because it all gets spent.